hits it in the air to center. We will see you tomorrow night. Here it is. Struck him out. And for the first time since 1954, the Giants are world champions. Here's the 0-1. This is going to be a tough play. Kendrick into the opposite corner. That one well hit. Springer looks up, and it's gone! Left side, Swanson to first. The Braves are world champions! What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the third episode of the MLB Takeover Podcast, brought to you by the Takeover Podcast Network. Alongside Matt Danilek, I am Chris Lavalley. We have an exciting show for you all this week. Matt, what can they expect? We are going to talk about Albert Pujols back at home where he belongs. Dave Roberts guaranteeing an L.A. Dodgers World Series victory. Trevor Story in Boston, which I'm very excited about. We didn't get to talk about last week, which was a huge disappointment for me that the news broke not six hours after we were done recording. We're going to give our National League preview for the season and talk about each division. And then we're going to wrap it up with first-name basis and talk about something that has nothing to do with baseball. But it will give you guys an opportunity to get to know how Chris and I feel about things. Yeah. All right. But before we jump into the podcast, I have to tell you about an exciting and fun opportunity for all of you who love to play fantasy sports. We here at the Takeover Sports Network have teamed up with Prize Picks, and they have a special offer for all of our listeners and viewers. New users that deposit and use the promo code TAKEOVER will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the easy way to play daily fantasy. You pick two to five players and an over-under for their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks has a ton of stats to choose from, including points, rebounds, assists, three-pointers made, fantasy points, and more. Prize Picks also allows mixed sports entries. For example, you can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. Prize Picks offers every sport you can think of, like NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and much more. Prize Picks has an award winning, easy to use mobile app, which you can find both on the App Store and Google Play. Prize Picks entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. So if you're looking for a fun and easy way to play Daily Fantasy, be sure to check out Prize Picks. And don't forget to use the promo code TAKEOVER so they know that we sent you. That's Prize Picks, promo code TAKEOVER. And now we're going to jump right into the podcast. So as Matt said, Albert Pujols signed a one-year contract for $2.5 million with the St. Louis Cardinals. This is a headline. I mean, I think this is the, the biggest headline going right now this week because I think it's the best the best story in baseball right now in baseball desperately needs a feel good story given all the turmoil of trying to figure out the labor agreement and everything else. So I, I think this is, this is one of the better stories that we've seen thus far in the off season. It is, it's a feel good story for sure. And given everything that, like you just said, the, the whole lockout and the, all of this nonsense that we've experienced over the last, you know, three or four months, wondering whether or not we're going to have a season, now, from a pure baseball standpoint, from a roster standpoint, it's not a huge deal, right? Like, Pujols is not the player he once was. We are, you know, well into the twilight of his career. The guy's 42 years old. However, we have seen with Nelson Cruz and some other guys that are a little older, some players that are exclusively DHs who can have really good seasons at this age. Now, 
maybe, maybe being cut by his longtime team last year, floating around for a little bit, ended up with the Dodgers. Maybe that motivated Albert Pujols. I don't want to sit here and say that there's no chance that Albert Pujols is a average to above average designated hitter for the for them this year. Like, I want it to happen. The Albert Pujols that we know and love, the machine, the guy in the ESPN commercials. Like, I'm not a machine. I'm just Albert. Like that guy. We haven't seen him in a number of years now. His average has gone down. His slugging percentage has gone down. He's just not getting the kind of pop that we used to see off his bat. But I don't totally believe that Pujols is washed. I think there's still a role for him. And I really genuinely believe that if he took the offseason seriously and we see him come out this year, I wouldn't be shocked if he hit 230 and hit like 35 home runs this year. Would that surprise you, honestly? No, not at all. I mean, because I think this is his swan song. So I, I think the whole reason why he's in St. Louis now is so he can retire as a Cardinal, which makes the most sense. And usually when you know it's, it's you know, it, this is the end for you, you're going to put on a show. And pool holes, and I understand we're, we're far away from what he used to be, as you have, you've already said. But pool holes used to put on shows daily weekly monthly yeah like it's just it's what he did it's part of his makeup as a player and i think that that we have a really solid opportunity of possibly seeing him put on a show this being his last season presumably this being his last season i, I doubt he's going to come back after this season it would be surprising would be surprising i mean you don't get to be a three-time true absolute stud in this like there's no reason why this guy can't still hit. I just don't. I just don't believe that he can be totally done. It, he did hit two thirty six last year. Yeah, I at mean, forty one years old. Yeah, that's not that's not horrific for his age. It's not. It's not. His home runs are way down. His last season over thirty home runs was twenty sixteen, and he hit two sixty eight. Yeah, I don't know. So- I. I think. I'm going to make a bold prediction here. I think I think Albert Pujols hits over 20 home runs this year. Okay. All right. Did anybody draft I, him in our fantasy thing last night, I by the way? I sincerely doubt that anyone drafted him in fantasy last okay. night. All right. Considering I ended up with bookend picks and got Trout and Bryce Harper at the end of the first round, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't think anybody was worried about Pujols, except maybe Richard. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we're going to move on from that one. That was a pretty short and sweet story. Uh, so Dave Roberts, last week on Dan Patrick's radio show, decided to add even more pressure to his team. And he said, and I quote, we are winning the World Series in 2022. We will win the World Series this year. Put it on record, end quote. I don't know why the hell you would say that publicly. I'm all about managers. You know, you want to be positive. You want to say it in the locker room. You want to, you know, give your players all the motivation they possibly need, all the the rah-rah kind of crap. But why you would put that out there on Dan Patrick's show and just add more fuel to all the hate that you're going to get this year. I mean, they're going to be the Miami Heat of Major League Baseball. Back when James and Wade and Bosch were all in Miami and they were the Heatles and everybody hated their guts. In my opinion, that's what the Dodgers have now become because they've just become this unbelievable all-star team. 
And we already know how you feel about the Dodgers. You made that pretty plain last week. So for those of you who tuned in, I I just don't understand why you would do that to yourself and why you do that to your players too. Again, I'm all for positive thinking, power, positive thinking and being like, you know, he's the manager of the Dodgers. Obviously he should believe his team's going to win it, but why would you say that publicly? I just don't understand why you would do that. In particular, in a sport like baseball, where above all other sports, absolutely nothing is guaranteed. Right. We knew when LeBron James did, had the decision and went to the Miami Heat and joined Wade and Bosch, that they were going to at least get a title, right? Like it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to at least win a championship with that roster. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There, it, yeah. You figured it was going to be... I mean, a lot of people believed it was going to be in the first year. I thought second or third year it was definitely going to happen. But, yeah, I mean, you you had to believe that they were going to win a title at some point. But in baseball, we've seen time and time again. So this is something I thought about. As I had some time to reflect on all of the ranting and raving that I did in last week's episode when we talked about the Dodgers, this has happened many times in history, and the Yankees have often executed it better than others. But if you really look back, on some of the highest spending teams like this, it doesn't always lead to success. The World Series is kind of, I don't know. I don't know how to phrase it exactly. It's not, you can buy the best team in baseball. You absolutely can. But sometimes it just doesn't matter. Sometimes the San Francisco Giants just come out of pitching heaven out of nowhere and are the best team in baseball for four months. Right. You know, like there are no guarantees in baseball. It's 162 games. You can have the best players and not have the best team. And I sincerely hope that's what happens with the Dodgers. But for Roberts to come out and guarantee this, don't you think that's his job on the line? Don't, wouldn't you like to be the manager of the LA Dodgers? Wouldn't doesn't that seem like a fun job? You just stand there and freaking chew double bubble and just go, all right, well, you know, whoever, somebody go in there, China, and you're closing tonight. You know, I mean, we got we got the best we got the best of absolutely every position in baseball. We have depth. Is Gavin Lux even gonna get to play on this team? It's funny you, you bring him up, too, because he just signed a three-year extension. So, yeah. But he signed it after he made the comments, too. So it, it clearly the Dodgers brass doesn't seem to mind him being as outspoken as he is. But I just, I just don't understand why you would say it. I mean, like you said, there are no guarantees in baseball. And the Yankees are proof positive of that. In the mid-2000s, when they spent billions of dollars, practically, on just all of these great – players that never came together and turned they were never a team like you said you can have you can have an all-star team or or an all-star roster of players but that doesn't necessarily make you a team and the it's funny because freeman's now on the dodgers but if you look at the braves that won the world series last year they were the carbon copy of what you would want as a team like they just came together injuries be damned it did not matter this team came together when it mattered but no one expected the Braves to win the World Series last year. There were a lot of people's preseason picks. But once we got to October, no one thought the Braves were going to make it out of the first round. 
Well, and let's let's be real. When you lose your best player, because Freddie Freeman wasn't the best player on that team last year. No. Until Acuna went down for the season. Right. But the the point being is that, you know, they they proved what it meant to be a team. They came together. There's no guarantee that all these all-stars are going to come together on the Dodgers, like you pointed out. So for Robert to just be so bold to make that comment, I just think you're just adding more fuel to the hate and more fuel to everybody. Because now you're going to have even more people rooting against you because now they're going to sit back and go, oh, you think it's that easy? You think it's that easy that you can just come out and say, well, look at my roster. We're just going to kick the crap out of everybody. We're just going to win the World Series. Now you're going to get even more hate than you already had going into the season, in my opinion, anyway. That and baseball being the sport of tact and, you know, history and legend and tradition. Look at the sports landscape as a whole. Who can you think of, of all the coaches and managers that we've seen in our lifetime, Who's the one that you would have no problem with guaranteeing a title to start a season? Joe Torre. That's a little biased. The correct answer is Gino <laughs> Auriemma. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I was thinking baseball. I'm, no, I didn't no. even hear all sports. Any sport. Any coach oh, yeah, or no, manager Gino. saying Gino at the Auriemma. beginning of a season. We haven't played a game yet. It's preseason. We're, guarantee a championship. He's Gino probably, or Bill. <clears throat> okay, fine. Belichick and Gino Auriemma. That's rarefied air. Mm-hmm. All right. That's. And they would never. They would never say something like that. Never. They're the yeah. winningest coaches in their sports history. And they would never say that. So what makes. <laughs> what makes this guy think. That he's going to be able. To, to back that up. What. What qualification do you have. That no other great. John Wooden never guaranteed a championship. Right. Bear Bryant wasn't guaranteeing championships. John Madden wasn't guaranteeing championships. Like, this doesn't happen. People don't do this because it's 99% of the time going to come back to bite right. you. Yep. Dave Roberts is out of his mind. Now, he's also possibly right. <laughs> yes. I mean, there is, there's, there is that, as, as we've been absolutely decimating him this entire segment, there is a, a decent percentage chance that he is right and that the Dodgers just cakewalk this entire season and it's a foregone conclusion and they win. Um, I just, but more times than not, that doesn't happen. So, I, and if I'm a player on this team, if I'm any of the guys that have caught, so you, if I'm Max Muncie, if I'm Trey Turner, if I'm Freddie Freeman, if I am Mookie Betts, if I'm, you know, Justin Turner, if I'm any of these guys, right? My job's hard enough. Every time you sign another MVP to this roster, the expectations in the spotlight on me increase in brightness and volume. Yep. Right? So now, on top of all of that, when you should be pulling a full Phil Jackson, and just making sure everybody's kumbaya, everybody's level, we're all okay, you know. Now you're just going to go out there and guarantee a championship? Not even we're going to go to the World Series. I might even forgive him for that. We are going to win the World Series this season, guaranteed. What if Walker Bueller throws his shoulder out in, I don't know, June? Yeah. What if Clayton Kershaw is old and falls off a cliff, which might very well happen? 
No, he can't have it. He's on my fantasy roster. He's got to be solid. <laughs> no, no, no. Next year, not this year. What if Ray Freeman gets hurt? It's happened. Right. He's got a history of injuries. Me Trey too. Turner, same thing. Like, there are no guarantees. You have 162 games to play. You got to get to October, man. Foolish. It's foolish with Dave Roberts to guarantee anything. Our last headline, Trevor Story. I'm just going to let you go because it's your team. You were upset that we didn't get to talk about it last week. I have nothing to say about it. All you. Go ahead. I I ended my portion of the first name basis segment last week by criticizing the Red Sox for doing nothing to improve the roster. Other than, which I didn't realize and didn't mention, bringing back Jackie Bradley Jr. to play center field, which I'm very happy about. Then, as I said earlier, not six hours after we finished recording this podcast, show, YouTube show, all the things that it is in its glory, Trevor Story, one of my favorite players in baseball, gets signed six years, $120 million. Now, my initial reaction was jubilation, of course. But then I went, hmm, Trevor Story has played shortstop for his entire career. Our best infielder plays shortstop and cannot play second base. Xander Bogarts cannot play second base. They tried it early in his career. He cannot play second. He's a brilliant shortstop. Trevor Story is going to try and play second base. He's a great player. But that's still a massive transition. There's a huge difference, especially in Major League Baseball, playing on opposite sides of second base. Mm -hmm. And I love it because, honestly, it frees up Kiki Hernandez to move around to other places. And it keeps us from starting guys like Arras or whoever else they throw in at second as a utility guy. So now you have a solid infield. Bobby Dalbeck looks like he's going to be the first baseman every day this year. You've got Story at second. You've got Bogarts at short and Devers at third. If Story can hold up defensively at second base, the Red Sox have a chance to have the best offensive infield in baseball, including the Dodgers. Yes, that's fair. That's a fair point. That's a very fair point. I hope that's not true, but that's a very fair point. (laughs) How do you feel about the Red Sox going out and getting Trevor Story here. I think it was a great signing. I, uh, The Red Sox, I, I actually feel pretty good about your team going in prior to Trevor Story, but I think this was a great, this was a great signing. For a, for a quiet offseason for your team, this happened, right? At, I think, right at the right moment. Um, it certainly made the fans extremely excited. I saw that all over social media. Boston fans were going through the roof about the fact that you guys actually made a pretty big signing. Um, I, I think overall it's going to, and I think him playing second base, I really do think it's going to work out. I do. I think, I think story is that, is that talented of a defensive player where he's going to be able, he would, he, if he made him play third base, he could probably figure that out too. I, I don't think, I think he's that, he's that talented. Um, and he's a decent offensive bat, man. Like you, you're not wrong about them being potentially the, the most potent offense in baseball, as far as the infield's concerned. So I think all around you, you guys made yourselves a lot better, a lot more formidable. Um, and it, it's, it, we're not doing the AL predictions this week, 
But that signing made me have to rethink where I was going with my predictions. I'll just put it that way. So I totally it, agree. It makes the AL East that much more difficult to try. And it's like a minefield right now in, in trying to, to come up with a prediction that's not just going to blow up in your face because you got four teams that could easily win the division. So, um, but no, it was a great signing. I, I think you guys made a really good move there. Well, look, I mean, if we want, if we want to get, if we want to really compare, first of all, he's only 28 years old and they signed him for six years. Now I've read a couple of places that part of it is that they wanted to try him at second to pair him with Bogarts in the infield. There have been, and I don't know that any of it is real, but there have been, there's been mumblings and rumblings about the Sox maybe not extending Bogarts after this year. That would be, truthfully, I would be more upset about that than I was about Mookie going to L.A. Well, he's the face of your franchise at this point. He's the face of the franchise, and in an era when we didn't really have a lot of guys coming through to get excited about, like we had our established, like Pedroia was there, you know, like those guys were there already, and we had these you know, these Sox legends, and then all of a sudden, here comes this kid, Xander Bogarts. Who is this guy? You know, through the system, and he was incredible. And uh, and he's just grown more and more. I, I really think he's probably one of the three best shortstops in baseball. All around, you know, between both his offense and his glove. And it would be a travesty if they let him go. However, having Trevor Story in hand, Locked in for six years, at 28 years old. The guy's a career 270 hitter. He's got like a 533 slugging percentage, 523, excuse me. That you can work with that. It is a contingency plan if, for some reason, the Bogarts thing doesn't work in the long term. But I really believe now you went from having two infield question marks with you know, Kiki Hernandez or whoever you had playing second base that given day because it was just a rotation of guys. And Bobby Dalbeck at first base. Now you've got three solid offensive play, not just solid, but elite offensive players in your lineup. Like, that's the other thing we haven't even mentioned yet. I'm just sticking about it purely about where they are in the diamond. Think about that lineup now. So... I don't know, Bradley or, or Bogarts maybe leads off. You still have Verdugo. You mm-hmm. have J.D. Martinez. You have Rafael Devers. Xander Bogarts, Trevor Story. If if Dalbeck just hits home runs, now all of a sudden we're just, it's gold. Like, he doesn't yeah. even need to hit for average. I mean, you got you guys are now challenging. I mean, both the Yankees and, and the, the Blue Jays have tremendous lineups. But now you do too. So, I mean, again, that's why I keep going back to that minefield that is the AL East. Uh, it's You guys have put yourselves right in the thick of everything. I mean, not that the, I, I thought the Red Sox were in the thick of it anyway, but now you're definitely in it. Like, there's no question about it, just with that one move. It's it's, it's incredible how one player can really galvanize a team, and, and I think Trevor Story could do that for you guys. I really do. Much to I my chagrin. So, Much to so. my chagrin. But <laughs> what are you going to do? All right, so we're done. We're done with headlines. Let's get let's get to the meat of this podcast, which is our preview for the National League standings this year. Uh, do you want to start East 
go just go down the the list the list like N-L-E's, we would have been at this. baby let's right. do it all right would you like to go first with your with your picks here sure i can do that i could all do right. that for you i'd be That's more fine. than happy gotta you know i pulled a i pulled a richard here i went uh i went out and uh and did a little bit of research i took some notes look at you go you know that's I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm proud of you for actually preparing for a podcast. That's good stuff. Look, you know, I, I do what I can. I do it. <laughs> I would say even Sands, Freddie Freeman, the Braves have a pretty good shot to win this division. Okay. I think to make it simple, I think the Nationals and the Marlins are going to finish in the bottom. I agree. I agree. I, I don't think that just going out and getting Jorge Soler is going to be enough for Miami, even though I'll give them this between Sandy Alcantara and some of the other guys that they've brought up through the ranks there in their pitching staff. The Marlins do have some talent. If they could ever figure out how to keep some guys in Miami, they could build something. Their pitching is their only bright spot right now, but it's one hell of a bright spot. So yes, a hundred percent. If they could actually, if they were willing to pay some money, and spend a little bit here and there and keep some of that talent, the Marlins could be formidable in a couple of years. They have a great farm system. They just trade everybody away every freaking year. That's Yeah, so. that's the problem. That's the exact problem. Um, the Mets. <laughs> the Mets. What do, what do we say about the New York Mets? The Mets are the Dallas Cowboys of Major League Baseball, I have decided. Oof. I can't tell if that's more insulting to the Cowboys or to the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it, though. They're a talented collection of players that don't do anything every single season. You've got, you now have Buck Walter as your manager. They added Max Scherzer, but he's 38, and he's got shoulder and groin issues. I, I mean, it, it, they are. They're, they're, an, they're another team that has all of these stars, like the Cowboys, that has all of this promise going into the season, and they start the season relatively strong every year, and then after the All-Star break, they fall off a cliff. I and I'm not saying the Mets can't make the postseason. I'm saying they have to prove to me that they will. I'm saying the Mets can't make the postseason, flat out. Well, that's fine. I'm I'm saying it now. Okay. Taiwan Walker is their best pitcher, and he's not. He's not, he's pitching grapefruit league games, trying to get stretched out right now. Like it's the Mets. No matter it doesn't matter. Listen, the Mets could sign Mickey Mantle. Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, Chipper Jones, Ken Griffey Jr., and Ken Griffey Sr., Pedro Martinez, it wouldn't matter. The Mets would still find a way to lose. <laughs> right. They're like the Cowboys. They're an accident waiting to happen. Are we going to see a full DeGrom season this year? I think that's I important so. for this conversation. I hope so. He's so talented. Um, and, and that's the issue, too, is that you don't know what you're going to get from DeGrom. I mean, that's a, he, that's a massive question mark. Is he the best pitcher of our lifetime since, like, Clemens? I think so. I, I don't even think that's hyperbole. I mean, look no, at what he was I, doing no, last year before he, he got injured. I mean, what was his ERA sub two at one point during the his season? ERA was sub one for a long stretch of oh, the season. Oh, that's right, too. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, yeah, he's tremendous. But health, it, it all comes back to health. I agree with you about the Braves. I have the Braves winning the division. Um, I have the Phillies uh, winning a wild card, actually. Uh, so I do have the Phillies in the playoffs this year. I think I, they're the second best team. We agree. 
Okay. Well, I've got Braves that. and Phillies. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to hand the Braves this division. Oh, okay. So you think the Phillies are going to take it? I think Philadelphia proved last year that they could put together a pitching rotation. Mm-hmm. Finally. Yep. Because that's something they haven't been able to do since the, uh, what's his name? Ryan something. I forget. Oh, Ryan Howard years. Ryan yep. Howard years. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, had a had a brain fart for a minute there. You know, they proved it with guys like Zach Wheeler last year. I think that they have an opportunity. They have an opportunity to run it back. Bryce Harper proved to us last year that he's comfortable and established now and ready to get back to chasing down MVP trophies. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to take 100 wins to win this division, which is important. That's because the, 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 I don't, you can give me Matt Olson all you want. The mm-hmm. Freddie Freeman fallout is real. Ronald Acuna is coming back from a severe injury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the same Braves team. I think the the other thing, too, with the Phillies is that they added Schwarber and, and Castellanos to the lineup, um, which is huge. The only issue that I have with the Phillies winning this division is that their bullpen still sucks. They don't have a strong bullpen. Um, and they do have yeah. some defensive concerns. So I mean, I, it's not to say it's not to say that they couldn't make some bullpen. If that's the only thing you need, right? Yeah. Who's to say they couldn't go get somebody during the season? And, and I just want to look real quick. Yeah, go ahead. I just want to I just want to double check for reference here. I'm pulling I'm pulling an Austin space right now. That's fine. What are you looking for here? Um, but real quick, I'll just add this. So I do, I do have the Braves winning. I know that they lost Freeman, and I get that. But they gained Kenley Jansen and Colin McHugh uh, to just make that bullpen that was already phenomenal even better. And again, you have to remember, this team won the World Series after only winning 88 games. I mean, I, I understand you're talking about the drop-off, but for the most part, the core of this team is still there. You lost Freeman, you gained Olsen, but the remainder of the team is still there. It's still vile. It's still a great team. Uh, and I just, like I said, I, I, that bullpen is so good. And their, their rotation is solid. They have Olsen to Freeman, I think, is relatively comparable as far as if we're talking offensive stats. So I don't think that you're going to see a massive fall off. There could be a little bit early on. I'm not saying there won't be. But I just, I like the Braves overall. Anyway, go ahead. Go, go with right, what so, you were looking so at. Two quick things. It's the heart. You could, yes, if you're looking at a sheet of paper with numbers on it, Olsen and Freeman are similar. But if you're standing on the mound and Freddie Freeman walks up to the plate, it's a lot different than if Matt Olsen walks up to the plate. That's fair. That's a fair point. The Phillies have the only catcher that actually matters in all of baseball in JT Real Muto. <laughs> it's true. He is, that's he what is. I was. Okay. That's what I was trying to. That's what I was going for there. In fantasy baseball, too, for the record, for all of you who play fantasy baseball, which I'm sure we'll talk about some on this podcast, he's the only catcher that matters. You could honestly draft him probably in the first round. Like, he hits like an outfielder. <laughs> he does. He does. All right, so for, for my final standings, I've got, in, in order, Braves, Phillies, Mets, Nationals, and Marlins. I am going to go... Same order, except I have the Marlins ahead of the Nationals. Not that it matters. <laughs> That's fair. I actually I switched that up. Just I actually had the same thing. I had Marlins and Nationals, uh, and then I just kind of sat back and went. The Nationals still have Juan Soto and Steven Strasburg. So I, it, it's 
it, it's hard for me. And, and I understand we're talking health with Strasburg. Strasburg can't. I, Strasburg, they're only gonna they're only gonna pitch him like every six start this year. <laughs> I know. I know. Did you read his folder in the fantasy draft? Like, yeah, it's not. It's not great. It's, I love the kid, but I do too. He's so freaking talented. All right. I'll do uh I'll I'll lead off the central here and then you can take care of the West in a moment. So I've got the Brewers winning the Central. They've got arguably the best pitching staff in baseball. It they're incredible. Their bullpen is stacked. The only question mark that I have with the Brewers is what are you gonna get from Yelich? What's he gonna do? Is he has he completely fallen off the map? Is there a potential that he could come back into MVP form again at some point in time this season? I think that's the big question mark for the Brewers. But I really like this team overall. I think they're a solid team, and I think that they'll win this this division relatively handily. I have the Cardinals coming in second. They have some rotation concerns, but they have an excellent young outfield. And I think they have a solid team overall, but they do have some injury concerns, especially with that rotation given the fact that right now their best pitcher is 41-year-old um, Adam Weinart. Wainwright, sorry. Yeah. It's Adam, right? Not Aaron. It's Adam Wainwright. Adam, Adam yeah. Wainwright. Yeah, yep. All right. And then three through five really doesn't matter. But I've got, in order, I've got the Cubs, the Reds, and the Pirates. Chicago's rebuilding. They traded away all their stars last year. So, I mean, their, their season, this is all about rebuilding for them. The Reds have absolutely no resemblance from the team that made the playoffs in 2020, nor the team that almost made the playoffs last year. All they have left is Votto and Castillo, which makes them like a hair better than the Pittsburgh Pirates, which arguably has the weakest pitching staff in the National League. So, Except for one guy. Well, yeah, they have one bright spot. Friggin' Joe Musgrove. What, yes, what is have, happening? <laughs> they have one bright spot. That's it. Uh, but yeah, so that's my that's my order for the, for the central. What say you? All right, you're not giving the Cubs enough credit, is what I would say. Okay, and you think too highly of Cardinals. I know, I know, you're digging this Albert Pujols goes home story. Oh um, uh, yeah, of course. The card the Cardinals are the third best team in this division. Okay, if you, you think the, you think the Cubs aren't completely rebuilding here, they are. But have you seen some of the talent they're rebuilding with? Yeah, you know, guys like Nico Horner, pitchers like Alec Mills, like this, the the guys they brought along last year. Yes, it wasn't pretty, you know, but I mean, they got some guys out of there too. That honestly, it was, you know, it's, you reach a point. Look at what we're talking about with Yelich, right? You're talking about this whole thing for the Brewers is like, Yes, so they've got Corbin Burns and they've got Woodruff and they've got, you know, Freddie Peralta and this incredible pitching staff, right? And they've got plenty of solid bats. Can Christian Yelich be an MVP type guy? Because that's really what they need if they want to make a true World Series run. You need a guy. Mm -hmm. With the Cubs, they got off of their guys that they were that were going to fall off a cliff like Christian Yelich before that happened. And they got their young players up early and got them real experience and had a lot of bumps and bruises last year. But they also have a lot of talent. The talent is young and it's new and we don't know it yet. But I do think that the Cubs can be the second best team in this division. Kyle Hendricks looked like a totally different pitcher last year. 
Marcus Stroman's good every year. And they do just have this litany of young players that have the ability to step up. And I think having fresh legs and fresh bats in baseball can be a real boon for a team. It's almost irrelevant because no one's going to touch the Brewers in this division, though. You don't have the Cubs making the playoffs, right? No. Okay. Nope. I, I think they'll be around 500. I think the Cardinals will be around 500. They'll be jockeying for position. Why is it that the Pittsburgh Pirates just refuse to... The great Roberto Clemente. My favorite... The first sports biography I ever read. And one of my favorite athletes of all time. Why does this team insist upon besmirching his memory by putting out an absolute garbage product year after year? I don't get it either. I've also heard that they have one of the nicest ballparks in the country. I, I've never been to it, but I've never heard a bad thing said at all about that ballpark. It's one I've always wanted to go check out. Uh, I don't get the Pirates, man. I mean, they had, they had what was it, a few years ago back when McCutcheon was, was in his heyday, and they, they had a decent team. And then it was like, it was like a flash in the pan. They were, they were kind of right around the wild card spot for about two years, and then they just plummeted. Like they traded away everybody and they it's another team kind of like the Marlins that just kind of live with their farm system players. And then once their farm system players get decent enough, they just trade them away because they don't want to pay them. So I, it's too bad. It really is. It really is too bad. And, and the reds kind of the same thing, man, the reds haven't been good in years. I mean, I know they had those two years, those the last two years where they were decent, but I mean, before that though, I mean, I can't remember the last time the Reds had like a really great team. I have, um, I have zero faith in the Reds at all. Also, like, I know we got all excited about the Bengals this year, but like, does anybody care about Cincinnati at all? Or, I've never met a Reds fan in my entire life. Neither have I. That's that's a fair point, actually. I don't think I've, I've met other fans that have. I've met Pirates fans before. Me I too. Have, I've never met a Reds fan. That's a really good point. I also need to walk back something really dumb that I just said. Joe Musgrove no longer pitches for the Pirates. He's on the Padres now. That's okay. Sorry, I completely overlooked that you said that. So there you go. I would have been happy to correct you, but I completely missed it. So the Pirates have literally no one. It's Brian, <laughs> it's Brian Reynolds, who's the most uninteresting outfielder in baseball. Mm. All right, NL West. NL West. So I'm, I'm assuming that you have the Dodgers missing the playoffs, right? <laughs> I wish I could be that petty. Okay. I really do. It would make me it would make me really happy. Um no. So here's the thing. The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be the worst team in baseball. Yes. The Rockies are going to be awful as well. Yes. Have that as well. No problems there. The Padres who we thought early last year were going to be this rivalry, this division rivalry yes. between the Dodgers and the Padres. Yes, this is what we want. Fernando Tatis Jr. against all of these Dodgers players. Well, not only did Fernando Tatis Jr. get hurt, and we don't know when or if we're going to see him. Right. But the Padres absolutely shat themselves last season. <laughs> yes, they did. Yes, they did. And they came out, they came out roaring too early on. It was awesome. It really was. It, those then, first few games were so fun to watch. Yeah. Yep. Like and, 162 games. I 
I don't watch faithfully too, too much baseball. I listen to a lot of Sox games. I watch, you know, the national games that are on when I'm, when I've got the time to watch them, you know, I follow along, I check in with everybody's going on. I'll tune in and the MLB app and listen to a Dodgers game or whatever. But if there was a freaking Dodgers Padres game, I'd put that on instead of the Sox game when it first started. Cause it was so good. It was, it was great TV. Oh my God. I, I don't remember. It, it was, it had like the reminiscence and it was early on. And I know this is hyperbole, but it had that Yankee Sox feel to it back in the late nineties, early two thousands. Like there was yeah. just, you could feel the hatred for both teams. It was great. It was also awesome because I wasn't rooting for either team. So I could just sit back and enjoy it, which was kind of fun to be. Oh no, I was rooting for the Padres. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, one one of us was didn't care. love you, Mookie. I'm sorry. I'm not rooting for you in a Dodgers uniform. Um, so, so I think you have the Padres coming in third in this division. I do, but I also don't think that the Giants are going to repeat what they did last year. Okay. I have. I think that was a flash in the pan. I know their pitching is excellent. I mm-hmm. sincerely doubt that they're going to be able to match that. Um. I think it'll be interesting to see if Logan Webb can continue his his streak of dominance. Like he, I mean, last year was the breakout ace in their rotation, and I think he's kind of the key for them. If he can keep rolling like he did last year, mm-hmm. I think the Giants have a really good shot of. I'm not saying that they're going to compete with the Dodgers because I just think the Dodgers are just so damn above everybody else right now. But I think they can they can definitely keep a, a decent distance between them and the Padres, though. Like they can really take command of like that second place spot in that division and easily make a wild card. There's only really one question in the NL West: mm-hmm. Will the Dodgers win over a hundred games? Oh yeah. Oh, I think that's even with the Giants and the Padres, because I'm not saying either of them are going to be terrible. Like they're going to be good teams. Mm-hmm. Right, and and the Padres and the Giants are probably gonna as long as the Padres don't totally collapse. I have both of them making the wild cards. So. I was gonna say they both have a shot to be wild card teams with the way yep. the rest of the NL is. Yeah, no, but I I think that well, I mean, look at it. The Dodgers and the Giants both won over 100 games last year. There's no reason to believe that they both can't do, or at least the the Dodgers can't do it again this year. I don't 100 know. If games the Giants is a lot of games, there. though. It is. It is. But, you know, this team's destined to win the World Series, so why wouldn't I think that they're going to win the games? Dave Roberts says they're going to go 162-0. and um, So, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, – we, we have the exact same – we actually agreed a lot, which kind of bums me out a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, we My have My only much... pushback is I think, I think it's a toss-up between the Braves and the Phillies in the East. Yeah, I mean, that, that is really where we differ. Um, I do think the Braves are a better baseball team overall. But I like this Phillies team. I, I was taught – Rich, who's a diehard Phillies fan – um, I was talking to him and I said, look, man, you should be excited about this team this year. Last year, you guys were kind of still figuring it out. This could be your year. You guys could really, really make a jump. I'm not saying you win the division, but you could go far in the playoffs. You don't have to win the division to go far in the playoffs. So really, no. as long as you get there. I think they're a lock for the playoffs. Oh, I do too. Unless they have some massive injury somewhere. Boy, uh, I, to be a National League team this year, your pitchers don't have to bat anymore. Yep. And there's like three possible wildcard teams. Yeah. It's really the American League is going to be a much more difficult podcast when we do that next week when we do the predictions for the AL because, man. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if the Padres, let's say the Padres fall flat on their face, okay, and we only get one wild card out of the West, let's mm-hmm. say, 
Do you think that the second wild card comes out of the East with the Mets? Or would you say that it would come out of the Central and you think the Cubs get it or the Cardinals get it? What do you I, think is more likely? I have so little faith in the Mets that I don't think that's even a possibility. Okay. I, so you, you would go with Chicago then? I, 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 I might say the Cubs, yeah. Okay. I might say the Cubs. But I think it's far more likely that it's Giants-Padres. Well, I do too. I was just trying to see if there was, you know, if, if we had to go with another team. And I would take the Cardinals, obviously. I, I agree with you about the Mets. I have no faith that the Mets can do anything. Like, again, I'm at the point. They have to prove to me that they're actually willing to play hard all season long and win games. Showalter's a great manager. And I don't mean to take anything away from him because I think if somebody could clean up their act, he could be that guy. But he's also one of those guys, too, that, He's kind of like Harbaugh where it only works for a certain period of time. And then yeah. it gets tiresome very quickly. So well, how Mets, were, yeah, go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Well, while say, we're, while if, we're here, if the Mets were going to turn it around, this would be the year. Go ahead. Yeah. While we're here. While, while we're here, is Francisco Lindor going to like crawl out from under a rock this season? Speaking of the Mets. <laughs> Massive contract, man. Um, I would hope so. I would. I, I've never seen somebody go from this guy's the best shortstop in baseball to this guy literally can't be an everyday MLB player right now. So Last fast. year on our on the Spaceball podcast that I used to do, that was Austin's favorite thing to do was to trash Lindor every week. That's, that's why that's I all, bring it up. That's all he wanted to do was every week. It was like, where where what did he do this week? Oh, that's right. He batted like 150 for no home runs and like 12 strikeouts. That was That was great. And I'd, and I'd like to shout out Austin Space, who I hope listens to this show and watches, because from the moment the Lindor signing happened, he was, like, vomiting on the podcast about it. Like, he, <laughs> he couldn't control himself. He was like, this is a terrible contract. This is so bad. And then all year, Francisco Lindor just proved him so, so, so right. So yeah. right. And, like, me, I was like, it's Francisco Lindor. What are you talking about? He's a freaking superhero. Like, it's a great contract. Pay him whatever. It doesn't matter. Bryce Harper got $700 million. Who cares? Pay Francisco Lindor. And sure as shit, Austin's face was right. Francisco Lindor was a total bum. Yeah, he's never been more right, I think, about any prediction he's had as he was about. I mean, he just, it, every week, he just kept, it was almost like he was trying to prove Austin right. It was like, you know what, man? I like you so much. I'm just going to suck all season. I'm yeah, just, right. I'm not going to show up at all. Uh, but, yeah, talking about – you want to talk about just laying down and, and falling flat on your face. That dude – and I'm wondering, is it New York? Is it the market? Or is it the contract, the weight of that contract? You know what it is? It's because he's on the Mets? <laughs> it's the Mets. <laughs> it's just the Mets. The curse of the Mets. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm Listen, I'm sorry, Mets fans. <laughs> It's just never going to get better for you. You have the best pitcher of our freaking generation, and you're never going to win anything. All right. So we're going to close out the podcast this week, and we're talking about something that has literally nothing to do with baseball, but it's an extremely timely topic, and we thought that it would be kind of just a fun, random thing to talk about at the end of this podcast, and that is Will Smith bitch-slapping Chris Rock on national TV on the Oscars. Now, I did not see this live. I don't watch the Oscars. I have no interest in watching the Oscars. I think the Oscars are a waste of time and they're just a bunch of sociopaths who like to talk about how wonderful they are. 
Um, but I saw, I saw it. <laughs> I have my thoughts, but Matt, this was your idea. So I want to give you the floor first and then I will, I will follow up after. Yeah. So we were talking about what we wanted to do for a first name basis this week. And I just jokingly was like, Will Smith. <laughs> to which you replied, well, it's topical. And he was once in a golf movie. So he was. Bagger Vance. shout out to Bagger Bagger Vance. Vance. Not a great movie, but he was in it. So it's okay. <laughs> so I also couldn't care less about the Oscars. Now, we both love movies. Yes. And but it's, like, it's so political that none of the really good movies ever get nominated. So there's no point. Correct. And Will Smith has never won an Oscar. Will Smith, one of our one of the defining actors of our lifetime, from Fresh Prince to Men in Black to I Am Legend, you know, and now he played the Williams sisters' dad. Right. right. And won an Oscar for playing King Richard. And last night, I tell you what, I sat on my couch and was like, what am I going to watch tonight? There's no NBA games on. I cannot watch spring baseball. It hurts my soul. I can't. And, and it was the Mets, so I definitely wasn't watching the game that was on last night on SNY because they blacked out the national game. And there were no NCAA tournament games, men's tournament games. So you know what? I watched the second half of Stanford, Texas, the women's bracket, which was an awesome game. One of the best games I've watched this entire tournament, men's games included. And I'm like, you know, I can't watch the Oscars. Who cares about the Oscars? I don't, I don't care what anybody who's hosting the show said. Like, it's, you can't be funny. I'm sorry, Amy Schumer. Like, I love Wanda. But I, the rest of you are not funny. And then Twitter exploded. And I thought for sure, I thought for sure that Will Smith open-handed, full-on, cockback, slapping Chris Rock across the face on stage, on national TV, at the Oscars, had to be a skit. Yeah, that's what I thought too. And I was like, oh, that's hilarious. Look at these two guys. Look at these two absolute legends. Chris Rock, who's one of my favorite, favorite funny guys. And Will Smith, who's just great at whatever he does. I don't even care. I'll put on getting jiggy with it all day. Let's go. But it wasn't a joke. It really happened. So now here I am. It's morning. I've got my coffee. You know, because at this point, it's like, it was, it was like midnight. I was like, I'm going to bed. I get up this morning. It's like 6.15. Coffee's ready. I'm scrolling through Twitter. I'm like, what happened? Why would, why would Will Smith do such a thing? Right? Now at this point, we know it's not fake. Why, Will? Why? So I'm like, oh my God. Chris Rock, and, Chris Rock made a, a bald joke about Jada Pinkett Smith who suffers from alopecia, which for those of you who do not know, is something specific to women of color where they lose their hair in patches. And it's really unfortunate and probably devastating on a psychological level. Obviously, I don't know personally, but I can imagine that it's really Trump, really difficult. And Chris Rock made a G.I. Jane joke because 
Jada Pinkett Smith had her hair shaved, like Demi Moore and G.I. Jane. I'm like, good for you, Will Smith. Slap that man. Slap him. Tell him to keep your wife's name out of your effing mouth. Right? So I'm watching the video. I'm watching the slap. I'm watching the follow-up. And I'm all like, yeah, Will Smith. And then, then you start to see the other side of Twitter. Right? Then what happens? Then you see Chris Rock lands the joke and Will Smith chuckles. He doesn't just chuckle. He was dying laughing. He laughed. So this is where conspiracy Chris needs to come in because this is you being the voice of reason. What's this other, like, what, what do you think? What happened? Oh, I think, so I 100% believe the thing was staged. Like, I was on that train up until probably 10 o'clock this morning. I still, I wasn't convinced that it was real because in my mind, I went, the officer sucks. Nobody watches it. This was because it looked like when they did like the slow motion thing, it looked like Chris Rock kind of leaned into it a little bit. Only come to find out the more that I read, they were like, no, no, no. He saw it coming and he was flinching. Like he knew he was about to get slapped. Yeah, so he was about to why, get slapped and he went like that. One of those. Yeah, that's why he was kind of like, yeah. So I think this is what happened. I think Will thought the joke was great. He thought it was awesome. He looked over at Jada. Jada looked at him like, I'm going to murder you. And Will being a bitch, which unfortunately he is, he is, he is. I'm sorry. It's when true, it comes guys. to Jada, yes. As much as I love Will Smith, and I am the biggest Will Smith defender ever, I lost a lot of respect for him. Because if you think the joke is funny, and your wife is offended by the joke, it easily could have been handled off stage. You could have waited for him to finish. You could have gone up to Rock and be like, look, man, I, I know where you were coming from. You kind of insulted my wife. I need you to go apologize. Please go yes. apologize. And given who Chris Rock is as a person, and again, we don't know who they are behind scenes, but publicly speaking, Chris Rock seems like a pretty decent human being. And I believe that as a fellow, you know, and again, I'm a white guy, but as a fellow black man, I think if Will said, dude, did you know she had alopecia? Because that's the other thing that came out is a lot of people are like, I don't think Chris Rock knew that she had alopecia. Jimmy, think- Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel said that on Bill Simmons podcast this morning that he didn't know Kimmy Kimmel came on. I was like, dude, I, he's like, I know Chris. He's like, I, there's almost no way that he knew that she had alopecia. Right. And, so and I'm, made that joke. I'm thinking if he went, if Will went up to him and was just like, dude, you need to go apologize. Like she's got alopecia, man. Like, and if rock probably would have been like, holy shit, I am so sorry. And would probably have gone and apologized. And that would have been the end of it. But the fact that he went up, slapped him and then was cussing him out. Like that was that he was like, that was the masculine thing to do. All it showed was that a you're controlled by your wife that you have, you can't stand up for yourself. Number one, number two, what are you slapping a dude for? Like, why, why would you even slap him? Like that doesn't, it didn't even make sense. That's not even like a tough guy move. That's just, it just didn't, it, it just bums me out in so many ways. Um, the other thing that we have to talk about is, and this is kind of mean to Will, and I don't care. You're okay with your wife going out and sleeping with all these other dudes. That you're okay with, but a man makes a joke, and that's where you that's where you're gonna draw. Yeah, the line. yeah, that's the line. That's the line. Like you're you're okay with your wife bragging about how she's sleeping with other individuals, 
But a man makes a joke. I understand it was on national TV. I get that. But the man makes a joke. It's not like her. Uh, look, let's just call it what it is. It's not like her being a promiscuous married woman. Right. Is not national news anyway because everybody knows about it because thank you social media. Right. Exactly. So it, it's just it, it's a very it's a very interesting thing. And the thing that sucks so much for me, who's been a fan of Will Smith since I was a kid. This is supposed to be the best night of your life, man. Professionally speaking, you finally win the Oscar that you should have won when you played Ali 20 years ago. You're finally getting your moment. You're getting your moment to shine. And you do this. You do this to completely sabotage your moment because now your acceptance speech, you now have to apologize. You didn't apologize to Chris Rock, which I thought was a really weak move. But you have to apologize to the Academy because now you're afraid they're going to take the award away from you because you've you violated whatever their code of conduct is. Apparently, I found that out later on as I was reading that that there is now the fear that he could still lose the the Oscar because of what he did, which is stupid. Anyway, it's like vacating USC's championship right. because like, Reggie Bush got a sports car. Like, like what you're going to no, give it to you still won the Cumberbatch instead now? Like, give me yeah. a break. I, no. I mean, come on. You think Benedict wants it? You think if the Academy calls Cumberbatch, he's going to be like, oh, sure. I'd love to have the trophy. <laughs> the best thing ever, though, and this is my favorite thing, was when Will, in his acceptance speech, mentioned Denzel, and they panted Denzel, and Denzel's looking at him like, I am so disappointed in you. Like the He look- talked to him. Did you hear that Denzel t- pulled him off aside yeah. during a commercial and talked to him and like, gave him a pep talk? Yeah. But like it was just that... Denzel is my favorite actor in Hollywood. He's been my favorite actor for the longest time. I love that man. And like the look that he gave Will was to me said everything. Like he's pretty he much had his coach Boone face on. He did have his coach Boone face on. He was pretty much speaking for like everybody that wasn't insane at that point in time being like, why would you do this? Just yeah. why? why? Why are you doing this, man? Why are you sabotaging yourself like this over a woman? And again, not trying to be mean. I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I'm not, you know, but over somebody who, in my opinion, as somebody who's a married man, does she really love you that much? She's doing all these other things. Not to question somebody's relationship. I'm not trying to get angry, but realistically speaking, man, like, are you going to go sabotage your career over somebody that clearly doesn't have the same amount of respect for you that you have for them? Is that the smartest thing in the world to do? Well, and let's break this down even further. All right. Let's go. Let's get a little more detailed in the next couple of minutes here. All right. Let's do it. Laughs at the joke. Safe to assume, even if you're offended by the joke, there's a really good chance that Chris Rock doesn't know that you have alopecia. Frankly, I think Jada Pinkett Smith is a deplorable human being. Agreed. And she's doing well wrong. Agreed. And I don't even care if it hurts her feelings. Oh, boo-hoo, you have alopecia. Meh. Doesn't excuse you being a, you know. Being who you are. You're right. Being an unfaithful, terrible person. Then, you're right. Will rolls over here, right? Mm-hmm. Which, obviously, the fact that he, he even brought her to the awards ceremony, the fact that he's even still with her, given what we know, he's obviously, she's got his balls in a vice. Yes. If you're going to make your move here, one of two things should have happened. The right thing to do is to deal with it 
behind closed doors, right? The right thing to do is go have a man-to-man conversation with Chris Rock, like you just said, and say, hey, did you know that she has alopecia? You owe my wife an apology. If you want to threaten them, fine. Don't ever, you know, if you want to, if you want to say that, keep my wife's name out of your effing mouth line to him, sure. Threaten to whoop him. That's fine. We've got no problem with that. All you out there with your toxic masculinity comments can keep it to yourself. <laughs> real quick, can we just, just sidebar real quick. Chris Rock has the strongest jaw known to man. I just want to put that out there. That man. Strongest jaw and the strongest, like, nerve. Like, he just. He didn't flinch. Kept rolling. Yeah. He wanted to make a joke. He was. He wanted to make a joke really bad, but he saw how genuinely furious Will Smith was. You could see the light, like, in his, like, the, the wheel was turning, and then he was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. Because then I think he was afraid that Will was just going to, like, full-on, like, beat the snot out of him at that yeah. point in time. But, okay, so now you've made this decision. You're not going to handle this the right way. I'm going to handle this like a man, right? Which would have been fine if Will's initial reaction was to get pissed off. I just want to say, if the first thing that happened when Chris Rock tells the joke is Will Smith's face goes like that, and he and he goes, I'm going to beat it. He just snaps, right? I fully support it. I would fully support it. I wouldn't say a single word against him, but you changed your tune because of the look on your wife's face. Exactly. You cannot then go full rage macho man on the guy because it's not your emotion. It's yeah, not. It's she, she triggered other emotions that are going on by whatever look or whatever she said to Will Smith after it happened. If you're going to make the move to hit, put hands on Chris Rock, you do not slap another man with an open palm. No. You punch him in the mouth if you're going to do anything and be done with it. Will Smith screwed it up on every level. The only thing that felt even remotely genuine was when he started yelling at him from his seat. And Chris Rock was like, okay, I will. <laughs> I will keep her name out of my mouth. But, man, what, a, what an absolute disaster. And yet, I wish I would have watched it live. Oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> I, I just, and maybe this will get people to tune in next year. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's the whole thing is that the, the Academy is secretly like, oh my God, this is amazing. We're now going to be in the news for the next year as people are talking about this. Can, can Chris Rock and Will Smith host it next year? <laughs> they should just get Chris Rock to host it every year. I mean, that, that's been my philosophy forever. Um, but yeah, man, I, I just it it really bums me out that that this is kind of who Will Smith has become, or maybe this is who he's always been, and he's just been really good about hiding it all these years. Um, but I don't I, I don't want to presume to know a man's mental state, but you can kind of tell that he is in a hole. Like yeah. you know, like sometimes okay. you just reach this point where like you are not you, and obviously in his personal life it seems to me that that's kind of where he is and you know what jada why don't you go make a gi jane movie you got the hair for it and i know you have alopecia but you're not a nice person so i don't feel bad and with that 
That's going to do it for this week's edition of the MLB Takeover Podcast brought to you by the Takeover Sports Network. Please make sure to give this video a like and subscribe to the Takeover Sports Network YouTube channel. And while you're there, don't forget to check out all the other great shows from the network, including the SEC Takeover, College Basketball Takeover, the Big 12 Takeover, the Draft Takeover, and the Big 10 Takeover Podcast. You can also find this show on and all the others from the network wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to give a follow for this show on Twitter. It's at MLB Takeover, and you can find Matt at Matthew Danielek and myself at Chris underscore Lavalley underscore on Twitter as well. And that is it. That's all we have for you this week. On behalf of Matt, I'm Chris. We'll see you all again next week.